Well, good morning, everyone. I'm not Joe. And Joe called me uh, later in the week. Uh, been down all week, not feeling well. He's sick. I told him while I was working on this one study, so I finished it up quickly. So pardon if I didn't have time to dwell on it as much as I normally like to, but it's always an opportunity, uh, an honor to, to share God's Word. Sometimes I need to hear and study the same passage over and over because I learn something new every time. Anybody else have that happen? And the, the more it becomes familiar, the more it can use it in our daily lives and such. Well, a common question among believers today is, has it ever been this bad as it is in the world today? Persecutions are on the increase, even in America. Uh, at work, political arena, life in general, we ask, if not verbally but mentally, why are freedoms and Bible-based values under attack in America and around the world? Suicides in the military are still very high. The COVID pandemic, with all of its numerous variants, is a daily threat. Anything to do with God in our histories being removed and taking out one nation under God is under the threat of being taken out of our Pledge of Allegiance. Any other signs, anything else going on that we need to be aware of? Does anybody have any other things going on that you know? Congress. Prayer in Congress? Supreme Court? Supreme Court. Abortion laws? They're destroying the family. Destroying the family? Voting integrity. Voting integrity. Socialism? A lot of things going on. And yet, who is with us every day, every step of the way? Sometimes we don't understand his ways. We all have to be honest about that. We know he hears us and he is answering, but it is, sometimes I know for me, it's not the way I'm thinking. You know, Lord, I'm looking here and the Lord say, I, I'm answering it right here, but you're looking over here. And that's a common battle every day because I don't know about you, but as human beings, sometimes get a little discouraged. Anybody else ever battle that? Everybody's always got a smile. Everything's great. Nothing going on. But God is there, and He never will desert us. Well, as we ponder that question, has it ever been this bad? Join me in Genesis 6. Genesis chapter 6, first book of the... Old Testament, we always review these with our Awana kids, our Sparks, books of the Bible, what's the first book, last book, first one of the Old Testament, the New Testament. Try to get them familiar at least where to find Scripture and where to look it up. But here in Genesis 6, we find the answer in discovering three insights into understanding why things are so bad all around the world. Genesis chapter 6, and we'll look at the first eight verses. Beginning of verse 1. Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. 
Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And verse 6, the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Then verse 7, the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Before we look at this passage, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, this portion of Scripture reminds us how far the depravity of man has come and continues to be. And Lord, as we look at our world around us, as we look at America, we know, Father, there is grieving, there is sorrow with the behavior of society in general, all the things being torn apart, Lord, all the Bible-based, your Scripture-based values and things that we cling to. But Lord, under all these attacks, we know in Noah's day it was even worse. We know there was so few people in the world. And we, I thank God this morning that we had the fellowship of other Christians here at Lakeside, that we can share our burdens, Lord, that we can pray for one another, that we can walk beside each other, we can put our arm around each other and say not just the trite words, will God be with you, but stand with our brothers and sisters. We need that. Some of us are buckling down. Some of us are, have sat on the sideline, Lord. We, we need to know anew that you are our only hope. And I pray, Father, as we look at these insights into how bad things are becoming around us, that we would keep in mind, Lord, that you are always with us every day we walk on this earth. And Father, forgive us where we fail to hang on to you when we should. And just, Father, teach us through your Holy Spirit this morning as we look at this passage in Genesis. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first insight we want to look at is in verses 1 to 5, and that is that conditions are getting worse as sin is rampant. According to verse 1 that we just read, people lived a long time before the flood. Adam lived to 930, Enosh to 905, Methuselah, 969 years. I can't imagine that. We think a hundred is a long time, but in the 900s, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not going to say it, but some of the pictures I see of people at a hundred or plus look pretty rough. But in the 900s, I'm sure they had better diets. They didn't have all the fast food places that, that tear us down quicker. But that is a long time. 
And living a long time was fulfilling the blessing of Genesis 1.28. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And we can just imagine the generations alive as they kept multiplying. Great, 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 great grandparents all the way down the line. Well, verse 2, with these vast populations, the perversion of the sons of God cohabitating with daughters of men began. Sons of God are fallen angels as indicated from other passages like Job 1.6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. Job 2.1. Again there was a day when some of the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. The fallen angels possessed men and had unnatural relations with human women, violating God ordained what he told us in Genesis 2.24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It was mentioned earlier, but how is the divine institution of marriage under attack today? Or is it? What are we seeing Anybody have any idea? What's that? Homosexuality? Okay, people just live all across the spectrum. The transgender and the now I heard there's a box uh, that you can check male, female, and other. Whatever that is. So, yeah, not even... Define how God created male and female. So it's under attack. We'd all agree. And it's intense. Why do you think that is? Who knows time is short? Satan does. And he's going to pull out the stops, isn't he? And it... Even teaching that to children in school. Yes. Right. That's right. So the results over here, what we just read about, were unnatural offspring... And the judgment of these fallen angels will, is shared in Jude 6 and 7. And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example and under going the punishment of eternal fire. So, this is sin. It's rampant sin. Verse 3, the Holy Spirit is striving to call people to repent of their sins, and that striving isn't going to go on forever. Unless the Spirit draw us, none of us seek God, do we? John 6.44 tells us, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. We don't see people in this passage seeking God. At this time, Enoch and Noah, Old Testament evangelists, have been sharing the message of repentance for 120 years. They're hearing it, but there's no response. I can't imagine that. Someone who just shares out of their heart that they need to repent and they need a personal relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, and nobody's listening. Verse 4 talks about giants 
of the earth, the Hebrew word Nephilim, which means to fall. These were beings who abused their power and fell on and overpowered those around them. Spoken of in Numbers 13.33, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Giants speaks of those very strong and robust in body. The offspring of the fallen angels who possessed men and had relations with human women were mighty men who were evil and wicked during these pre-flood times. Verse 5 speaks of God seeing the wickedness on the earth was great. And the word wickedness means evil or morally bad. It's also spoken of in Genesis 13.13, a couple of chapters over. It says, Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. And Genesis 19, uh, verse 7, speaks of it again. And the lot went out to them in the doorway and shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brothers, do not act wickedly. What was happening there in Sodom and Gomorrah? They were trying to break into the house to have relations with the angels. And remember, Lot did what? He offered his daughters instead. It was so wicked, they had to be blinded because they kept trying to break the door down. That's how wicked things had become. The word great here, great wickedness, means vast, large, numerous, abundant in number. There were acts of violence everywhere going on. Wickedness or sin begins at the intent of the thoughts and results in acts of evil continually. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, The heart is what? More deceitful than all else and is desperately wicked, sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search what? The heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. Matthew twelve thirty four. You brood of vipers. Who is he looking at? Religious leaders. How can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure that which is evil. John MacArthur shares, This is a startling thing to think about because through most of this period, Adam and Eve, certainly Adam, was alive. They wouldn't even had to have a second-hand testimony of the folly of listening to Satan about the foolishness of engaging with fallen angels, with demons, who here are called the sons of God. Thoughts precede actions. In Noah's day, the immorality of demonic men having relations with human women, rejecting the message to repent, Violence everywhere, corruption, no honoring of the sacred institution of marriage, all that going on with these kinds of actions. Today we see a little bit of wickedness going on, don't we? Even in our own country. And it's continuing, uh, as was brought up earlier, trying to redefine marriage. And it isn't what God says. And that gender's being something between male and female 
instead of male and female as God creates human beings. Pornography is everywhere, corruption in government, all kinds of this going on, and we see it intensifying. And as we said earlier, Satan knows his judgment's coming, and he knows he has little time left, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That's our hope. Because we can't defeat Satan. We can't battle and win. Only God can. The word intent here could be translated imagination. Unbelievable wickedness from the depravity of man. Matthew 24, uh, 37. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, they did not understand. Until the flood came, took them all away, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. So, there's a coming judgment. Praise God we're still in grace. That God hasn't judged us. Before we were saved, you say, well, why doesn't God come right now? What if God would have come the day before? we would have accepted Christ or God had moved in our hearts and we had believed. I used to think, you know, we keep saying we're in the last days, don't we? Well, how long are you in the last days? Well, what is a thousand years to God? It's but a day. That's just one comparison. But some days seem, seem a thousand years, don't they? You ever have those days? I, I, I don't know. I've had a couple more than I can remember growing up in the last year or two because I think the battle in our own lives is a daily battle. And uh, so I was sharing with somebody, somebody was sharing with me earlier, every day we wake up in the morning, we need to just say, Lord, help me through this day. Get me through today. If you come today, I'm ready to meet you. But if not, help me to get through the day. Use me some way. And believe me, God brings people into our lives and it's not an accident. There's people that that over the last few months I've seen come into our own lives that, that we would have never dreamed, but they're opportunities. Opportunities to what? To share the only hope, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So now we come to the second insight, namely the consequences of sin. Not only is sin rampant, but there are consequences. Verse 6, we read, The Lord was sorry that He had made man on the earth, and He was grieved in His heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. I read those verses and it almost puts me in tears. But on our own, we don't seek God. God has to move us to even look to Him. Because who wants, when you're living in sin and you think you're having a good time, who wants the light of God shining? Or somebody to say, you need to change. It's easy to just go along with the flow, isn't it? 
You just get in the line, whether you're at Publix, you're in the line for the next person, we're all lining up. Or whether you're in line to, to get into a restaurant and you're lined up, we line up. But we need to be lining up, as someone shared with me earlier this morning, we need to line up first when things come into our lives, we line up before God. We say, God, I don't know how to handle this. Or we think we do, and God says, no, that's not going to work. Learn it. Did we learn it the first time? I'm not raising my hand, believe me. How many times does it take for God to teach us something before we learn it? I wouldn't even put a number on it, but I praise God He's patient with us. His long-suffering is old every morning. It's new, isn't it? It's, it's refreshing. That's what it should be. So here in verses 6 and 7, mankind is wallowing in sin, which has caused sorrow for a holy God. Verse 6 says, The Lord was sorry He had made man on the earth. Sorry means sin being out of control caused God to be sorry, resulting from a significant change in the objects of His actions. God is holy, isn't He? And accept that Jesus Christ had died on the cross for our sins. We can't be saved on our own. We'll never earn it. It says God was grieved in his heart. Grievous words causing pain or sorrow. A far cry from Adam and Eve in the garden conversing with God. To sins of disobedience. To rampant sin. That God's holiness demands judgment. Look with me over to 1 Peter chapter 1 and we have a reminder there from the New Testament that there is a point where God's holiness, that, doesn't, that isn't set aside because God is looking the other way, but there is a point where 1 Peter chapter 1 where judgment will come. Chapter 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning of verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each other's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of the life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished, and spotless the blood of Christ. Verse 7, back in Genesis 6. The Lord said He will destroy what He has created. God's patience, His long-suffering is ready to run out. Now judgment for sin will come and result in destruction, which means to blot out. The great flood was coming quickly. A sad commentary on creation. Judgment for sin is illustrated many times in Scripture. Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 18 and 19. 
What was happening there? Were they following the Lord, Sodom and Gomorrah? The wickedness had gotten so bad again, we just talked about it earlier, that they were trying to break down the doors that these men could have relations with angels. And who was in the midst of all that? Who was living there? Who? Lot. And was he a good, powerful witness? Had they seen him walking with the Lord? Not much going on there, was it? It had gotten rampant, out of control. And when people look at us, do they not only hear if we give a witness, but do they see in our lives we're walking with the Lord? They should be able to it. I'm always challenged every time I look to Scripture and I read about Enoch. What did he do? He walked with God. That is a challenge. We can't do it in our own power. It's only by God's power in us that that we can walk with Him. And, uh, and if I can walk with God in one situation, I'm praising God because I stumble and fall many times. We also know in the destruction of Jerusalem, a judgment for sin, Second Chronicles 36.16, but they continually mocked the messengers of God, despised His words and scoffed at His prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against His people until there was no remedy. Therefore He brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans who slew their young men with a sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on young man or virgin, old man or infirm. He gave them all into His hand. We praise God for His love. We praise God for His long-suffering, but we also need to remember God is holy. So that is our second. We see the consequences of sin. That second insight, we come that we have come to our third insight in verse 8. Follow with me. Short verse, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. We see the compassion of God's grace. Wow, do we need hope in this wicked world around us? Noah needed it in his day, and we need it today. It says, Noah found favor. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah, a man, and his family, he walked with God. And that was it in the world. I, I can't fathom that. I'm sure they didn't have a, a church there where it was just their family. They didn't have people to gather as we do here as believers to encourage each other. And how do we encourage each other? We share prayer requests, but we also share answers to prayer. Does God answer? Do we need to share that with each other? Why? Because somebody's in the midst and they need hope that their prayers are being heard and that God loves them. When it talks about edifying, encouraging one another, that means not necessarily literally, but spiritually we put our arms around each other and say, I want to walk with you through this. I don't want you to quit. We live in a world of a lot of people that quit. Some who are never saved, but some who as believers just get discouraged and they get bore down. And they need to know there's a brother or sister who cares. 
Hebrews 11.7 says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with holy fear. We need to fear God. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. That Old Testament word for grace denotes a free and spontaneous willingness to bestow good on him that doesn't have it. To show free favor, mercy, pity, simply for God to express his free and tender affection to those who have not merit or deserving. I thought about this. This is reflected in our salvation, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. We're saved out of God's grace. Nothing in ourselves. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. And as I was thinking about this, how does God show his grace to us today? Does he? How does he do it? Any examples? Very breath of air that we take. Any other ways? Creation? Protection? Do we need protection? I used to walk uh, or drive down certain streets and uh, I know there's some... uh, Law enforcement don't drive in certain streets at certain times of the day or night. We need God's protection. He's the one who ultimately knows the the second that he's going to call us home. And we're not going to change that, are we? God knows the time we have here on this. This could be our last day today. The rapture occurs, praise God, then we as believers will be with the Lord forever. But if our day is over today on this earth, We don't want to live with regrets and say, God, I should have talked to that person because that person stepped in front of a bus today or he was in an accident or he got COVID and got it real bad. I want to share what two inmates share, how God's love saved them. And this is uh, what I ran across this last week. This one's entitled His Love. I don't want to run over time here. This is written by Jamie Selke, and uh, he's serving at Lowell Correctional Institution in Ocala. He wrote this, His love. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for loving me this day. I pray for your guidance as you send your love this way. I never knew such freedom as I do inside. No more will I run away and hide. Life is such a journey. The path always goes uphill Yet I thank you for grace and mercy allowing me to feel you never turn your back on me. Your love is always the same. Even when I hated life and gave you all the blame, I can accept this love because you now live within my heart. I can feel your presence here no longer far apart. So I recommend you surrender yourself, give your life to the Lord, As you awake each and every day, spend time in His Holy Word. May His love bless you as He loves you deep within. Allow His love to strengthen you. Just wait, it will begin. My life has changed so much as I thank Him for His love. Jesus Christ is my saving grace. I shall send great prayers above. And then he writes at the bottom, Thank you, Lord. Another inmate shares this, fear not. Of course, we never battle fear. This is by John Hertzler. 
Peace to your heart, most loved one. Earth and heaven are with you. Your Father's whole creation unites in one great cause. The strength of ancient mountains, all the charm of starlight, the majesty of heaven, the justice of his laws, all that is or will be makes his children blessed. You who know his favor, trust and be at rest. Behold your Father's weapons. Who can stand against him? He closed his hands with lightning. His fingers scorch the hills. The fire and hail he scatters. Punish those who mock him. The whirlwind of destruction he guides the way he wills. While around your dwelling, armed on every side, charged with your protection, mighty angels stand. Before he gave us being, God Almighty loved us. He formed us in the darkness. He led us to the day. His promises are matchless. Throngs may fall around us, but he who never slumbers will save us when we pray. In his hand he offers love to banish fear, all in peace and safety with your Father near. Is our Father near? Is Jesus Christ walking with us? Is the Holy Spirit teaching us? We have so many things that we are blessed by. Remember in the midst of everything evil, it says, but Noah, but Bill, but Debbie, but Doug. Each of us as believers found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace that drew us to Him. Grace that provided the provision of the cross. Grace that saved us and put our names in the book of life. Grace that sustains us, sanctifies us, and someday will usher us through heaven's gates. To answer the question, has it ever been this bad? Yes, it has. Look at Noah's days. And though America gets darker and darker with sin, God's grace, as with Noah, is our eternal life preserver as we've been chosen, drawn, and accepted into God's family forever. Conclusions. Our world is overflowing with sin and wickedness. We wouldn't argue about that. Immorality is promoted. Politicians support biblically condemned sins. And freedoms in America for Christians are being taken away. Judgment for sin is coming, just like in Noah's days, because God's holiness demands it. But except for the hope of God's grace, we would all be headed for an eternity in hell. So the questions for us, what do others see in us, in our neighborhoods, at Lakeside, wherever we go, at Publix or neighborhood Walmart? Are we sharing the good news of the gospel, repent and be saved with those around us? Is America doomed? Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name and humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And before we close in prayer, I want to share this because I read this uh, earlier this week by Thomas who's in Walton Correctional Institution in Defuniac Springs, Florida. Probably never heard of that town before. But there it is, Defuniac Springs, Florida. He wrote this to encourage us. Here's hope. Jesus loves you. It's entitled. 
alone once again in my own little world when I thought there might be just one who would send me a line to comfort my soul. But now I see that no letters will come. I guess you could say that it hurts deep inside, all alone with these thoughts from within. When I look at my life and think to myself that no matter what I do, I can't win. The loneliness hurts and emptiness screams. There's nothing for you left to do. Anything's better than being locked in a cage and living the life of a fool. I just hope that it ends this mysterious race where the track seems to be so long because I'm weary from fighting and trying to win in a race where I don't belong. Then Jesus called to me one lonely night. As I was thinking about ending it all, he had seen my need hid deep inside and surely predicted my fall. He said, my son, I've seen your life and it hasn't all been in vain. He said, sometimes for true happiness, we at first must endure some pain. This makes you strong, my son, he said, and helps you to become a man. It's only then, my son, that my father can continue his plan. Just call to me when you're feeling down, when you're feeling you don't belong, and I'll be there in the blink of your eye to make you feel more strong. I'll never leave nor forsake you, my son, and I'll always remain your friend. Come rain or shine or the darkest of night, on me you can always depend. Can we depend on the Lord today? Was Noah doing that in his day? So no matter how rough it gets, no matter how long the day becomes, God is there and we need to reach out to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we sometimes look with despair at everything going on and we say, just don't know how... I can make it through another day. But Lord, you've promised our time on this earth is short. Our time with you in heaven, our time with you as you walk with us here on this earth, we have eternity to be with you, Lord. We have our brothers and sisters here that may we be able to share with them and may we uphold one another in prayer and in any other way that we can as believers. And as you give us opportunities, Lord, help us not to turn away from our brothers and sisters, but to embrace each other spiritually. We need you. And Lord, you've given us brothers and sisters in the body of Christ here to know that we need each other. And I pray this coming week, Lord, as you give us opportunities, we know they will come. Help us to be alert. Help us to respond. Help us to... Turn to you first, but then also turn to those in need around us with the answers that you give us. The answer we know is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for that hope. Pray uh, again your blessing this coming week. Use us all for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.